Hello, everyone. All right. Happy Friday. How's it going, uh, Paul Cutler? Uh, looks like our YouTube chat's not quite there. Let's fix that. Do this, maybe? There we go. And over in YouTube, Dave Odessa, how's it going? And Charles Berniford, thanks for tuning in, folks. Uh, hope that, hi there, hope you're having a good day. Evening Tim in the chat. Yep, I'm having a, a pretty good day. Busy overall, feel pretty busy. I started a uh, class last night, teaching a um, JavaScript class for the next couple of weeks in the nights. And so, did that for a couple hours last night. Um, and so I got some long, last couple of days are long days, yesterday and today, but... We have made it to the end of Friday, and that is certainly always the goal. So we're feeling good now. How's it going, C. Grover, over in the Discord? Uh, let's see, did we miss anybody? Paul Cutler, DJ Devin3, how's it going? Thanks for tuning in, folks. Uh, Beautograph, how's it going? Good afternoon, good evening, happy Friday. Paul SK, how's it going? Uh, howdy to you. And, okay, let's see here. Let me shuffle a few of these windows around, and then we'll get going. So we don't need this preview, really. We could get rid of that one. We don't really need this preview either. We'll pause that one. We'll go back to the camera controls in case we need them momentarily. We'll put this one away. We'll get our chats over here where we can see them. See Grover, how's it going? Uh... 4chan for Prez, I gotta disagree with your username, but how's it going? Happy Friday nonetheless. Uh, Alright, so where are we at here? We've got the screen showing already, right? So yep, this is just my emptied editor. So let's get this show on the road. Uh, hello to everyone who might be new or watching this video in the future if you've not seen this program before. This is the Deep Dive live stream. Uh, this is a program that is centered around the CircuitPython project. You can learn more at circuitpython.org if you are new to this and you want to learn more about CircuitPython generally. Um, I would encourage you to do a couple of things. One of them is head over to circuitpython.org. There's lots of high-level information about you know, what CircuitPython is, what kinds of things it can do. Um, this username is older than me. I, I believe that as well. Um, you can learn more there. I um, mean, you can get started. You can download CircuitPython for your devices. So again, if you are new to this and you're wanting to try to use CircuitPython, one thing you could do is uh, head over to downloads here and then search up your device. If you already have uh, a, a Feather or a microcontroller or a Raspberry Pi Pico, uh, if you already have one of these devices, you might be able to run CircuitPython on it. We currently have support for 329 boards, so that's quite a few. Um, plug in a couple of, uh, you know, words into the search here and you can find it. Um, let's see here. Yeah, I think we will, we will pass on this one. I think we're trying not to use language too much like that in this stream. Uh, let's go hide on that one, I think. Go. Uh, here for Python, yeah, perfect, because that is exactly what we are getting ready to get into is some Python. So, uh, again, a quick introduction, circuitpython.org. This is one of the things you could do to learn more. The other one I would recommend is join us over on Discord. So there is, I think I have that on the screen, screen still, right? Yeah, down, uh, let's see, down this way a little bit, down there. Uh, there's adafru.it slash Discord. That is where you can join us to talk about CircuitPython on Discord. And that is also the... Uh, text that is visible right here, assuming you can see my mouse, which I think you can, circling around there. Um, this is the Discord chat. Specifically, this is the live broadcast chat channel. 
there is also a CircuitPython dev channel. There's a help with CircuitPython channel. So you can head there if you want to get involved with CircuitPython or ask questions about CircuitPython and that sort of stuff. Um, right up front, I also want to mention uh, tomorrow we have the CircuitPython open office hours. Uh, I think I have the right name. I should look back and have gotten the name. This is actually something I meant to look up before I started today, and I failed to do that, unfortunately. Uh, but tomorrow, I believe we have open office hours. For anybody who's watching this who might be interested in helping contribute to CircuitPython in one way or another, uh, at any different skill level or anything like that, if you're interested in that, uh, open office hours is a new thing that we are starting where um, folks who are interested in contributing can get help. You know, if you're not sure how to get started or if you've already gotten started but you ran into a hurdle, you need help resolving it or something like that, um, the open office is exactly for that or the, the office hours, excuse me. And so we'll be doing that tomorrow. Um, I'll be on stream for some portion of that, but there's also uh, Tectric and I think Tammy and uh, a handful of other folks um, I don't have the full list in front of me, so forgive me for not listening everyone out, uh, but there's a handful of folks who are involved in that and helping. CircuitPython help desk, 8 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate the, uh, uh, the time there. When do we get our deep dive with Tim shirts? That's a good idea. I don't know. I, you probably get yours sometime after I get mine, um, and I have not gotten mine yet, so we'll have to work on the shirts still. Um, okay, wrapping up the introduction, I want to say, so I, I kind of am all over the place, um, but again, if you're new to this, circuitpython.org, that's where you can go to learn more. Join us on the Discord. You can jump in and start uh, getting involved in the project there. Uh, and then the other thing I want to mention is CircuitPython project is open source. Um, it's supported by members of the community that contribute code and contribute projects and things like that. Um, those folks that contribute that stuff, the ones who are paid for it, are paid by this company, Adafruit. So while CircuitPython is an open source project and it's free for everyone to use and modify um, and do you know, essentially whatever you want with as long as you follow the license, which is a very permissive license, um, you know, it's out there for free to use. But Adafruit is the company who's paying us to work on CircuitPython. They are the primary financial backers for this open source project. So um, if you like CircuitPython um, and you want to help support it, but you're not necessarily interested in getting involved in development or contributing code or anything like that, um, you can actually just purchase hardware from Adafruit. You know, anybody who's purchasing hardware through their website here, adafruit.com, you are helping support CircuitPython project because you are, of course, buying hardware from them and they are then turning around and paying the folks who are working on the project. So uh, thank you to everyone who does support CircuitPython in that way by purchasing hardware from Adafruit. Uh, thank you to anybody who wants to do that in the future. Um, I'll quickly mention the kind of stuff they sell is like the microcontrollers that you can run CircuitPython on, as well as all the bits and bobs that you can plug in and do stuff with. So everything from LCD displays to buttons to beepers, buzzers, lights, LEDs, uh, sensors, you know, accelerometers, temperature sensors, gauges, pretty much any kind of little electronic widget that you can connect to a, uh, a circuit. Um, they very likely sell a breakout for that thing. You can plug it into your CircuitPython microcontroller, and you can write Python code uh, to run on that microcontroller, which is awesome. That's what we are all about here, is running Python on the microcontroller. So thanks again to Adafruit. Thank you, everybody, who wants to help support CircuitPython by purchasing hardware from them. Let me catch up on the chat here. Um, 
I do like your cute Cyclops logo. Thank you. I do appreciate that. I actually, I don't consider myself particularly artistic, but I did actually create that logo that is uh, this one up here. Uh, I did create that logo. I created it in PowerPoint several years back, um, and it's very basic, but I do like the way it turned out. I'm pretty fond of that little character as well. I have, uh, this is like, you know, breaking news off the press, like never been, uh, never been put out before, but I'll let, I'll let everybody in on a little secret who's watching right now. I can't promise this will, will come to fruition, but I actually have something in the works where I'm working on getting uh, one of these little Cyclops guys designed by an actual artist and drawn out uh, for me by somebody with a lot more artistic talent than myself. Um, I got to reach back out to him. I got to figure out when that's going to happen or whatever, but I've been in talks with a local artist here in my city um, to actually make me another one of those things um, because they draw some really cute little monsters. Uh, in fact, why don't I just show you? I've got a couple of them right here. And we've got the camera up already. So this is super easy. I can just swap this in. So the artist that drew these, uh, these two little drawings here of these little, you know, I don't know, monsters or whatever these little things are. Uh, I've been in touch with this person to see if they're interested in drawing a uh, a version of that Cyclops. Uh, for me, with a little Raspberry Pi Pico or something like that in its hand. So, um, super secret. You know, Adafruit has their uh, uh, top secret segment. This is the the foamy guy specific top secret segment. Is um, that is in the works? And you know, fingers crossed. Hopefully, we're going to be getting that thing sometime soon. And whenever I do get it, I plan on putting it into the stream graphics. Uh, but that would also make a pretty good T-shirt. Truthfully, if we did end up uh, getting it and then wanting to do the T-shirt, that'd be a good thing for it. Um, let's see here. I've spoken most of my week hip deep in spent, excuse me, spent most of my week hip deep, deep in CP sensor driver code, uh, says Beata. Nice. Trying to launch a SQL server and working on SAP via Visual Basic. Uh, please don't ship pies in envelopes. I would second that. No pies in envelopes. Uh, no dessert pies in envelopes, but also no raspberry pies in envelopes. That should probably be a padded mailer or something like that. Uh, go for that. I think you're talking about the new logo. So yeah, I'm hoping uh, to get that coming. Is there a MicroPython merit badge yet? I don't know, actually. Um, do you mean merit badge like the ones they sell at Adafruit? Or do you mean something different? Because I know they have some of those little patches, right? Is that... Yeah, maybe that's called a patch, or maybe I'm misspelling merit. Skill badge is what they, these are the things I'm thinking of as skill badge. Is that a similar, is that the same thing you're thinking of or something different? Um, I don't know if they do have a micro python one of those. It's like a sticker, but no patch yet. It's like no on that. Yeah, Adafruit, okay, yeah. I think no micro python one yet. There are a couple of those things. I know there's a Raspberry Pi and there's a couple others. Um, there's like a smoky one if you let the smoke out of a thing, which is definitely a rite of passage. There's a couple others like that, but I think not a MicroPython one yet. That would be a good idea too, though, so a MicroPython one of those would be nice. Um, let me also catch up on the chat here. I think a PCB version would be awesome. I'd buy a t-shirt. Nice. I will keep that in mind. Yo, uh, Silent trying to get to the AF ecosystem. Uh, Silent? AFC, uh, not sure what that one is about. Hope to be awake tomorrow for... Uh, the help desk sounds like a lot of fun. Yep, thank you to anybody who wants to, to uh, come tomorrow and hang out and get help on CircuitPython stuff. Uh, how's it going, Glenn? Thanks for tuning in. I don't know if you've seen before. I don't recall your name. If you're new, um, then, you know, hello, welcome, and, and thanks for tuning in. 
Look for the blue smoke one? Yeah, the uh, the sparky one is pretty fun. Okay. Let me pull this one here. Okay. Put that one back away. Fighting with Quaternians? Quaternians? Uh, Euler angles and ain't doing so good. It is fun. Yeah, I can't say I probably couldn't offer you too much help there. I have I have struggled that battle once myself as well, um, and I kind of just had to hunt and peck my way through it. I was not very not very good at it, but I did eventually get the effect I was after. Are you trying to make a uh, a thing that rotates with an accelerometer or something like that, where you rotate the accelerometer and then it rotates a thing inside of some 3D rendering engine or something like that? That's what I was. Um, that was is what I was working on when I did that. Okay, so jumping into today's episode, what I'm going to work on is what we have pulled up here on the camera. Um, and as you can probably see, this is a pretty basic flip clock. So um, what I have so far are a, a flip digit, which each of these individual digits use the flip digit class. Uh, and then I have a flip clock class, which holds four of these digits, you know, two pairs of two. Uh, with a colon in between. So I've got those two layers of helper library. Um, those both exist and they are working. What I want to do today though is clean them up because they're pretty rough around the edges. There's some stuff that's hard-coded that should probably be arguments. Um, there's some arguments that probably should be named better. There's some code that could probably be cleaned up. There's probably old code that could be removed. There's plenty of code that should be commented better than it is. Um, and so that's the kind of stuff I want to work on today, as well as uh, making the cookie cutter uh, of the library that will hold these two classes. Um, so we'll cookie cut it, we'll drop in the code I have today, and we'll start cleaning up and uh, commenting and hacking away at it and um, just you know generally cleaning up and proving that code. And then depending on how long that ends up taking, uh, I may start building at the layer on top of that where I'm actually, you know, doing something with the flip clock class, which is what I have running right now on my feather. Uh, it's using the flip clock class along with the NTP library to fetch the time from the network. We're back up here. So we're connecting to the Wi-Fi network. We're fetching the time using the offset for my time zone. And then once we get the time, that is what we're putting on the flip clock. And then we're updating every minute. So we're checking for the time, you know, again after a minute. Or I think it's actually quicker. I think we're doing 10 seconds. Is that right? Yeah, we're actually checking every 10 seconds. But of course, the, the minute doesn't actually change except for, you know, when it's been 60 seconds since the last change. So um, we're just constantly grabbing the time from NTP, putting it into the clock. So this is, of course, kind of the most basic thing that you can do with this flip clock. Um, and so ultimately, you know, I'm trying to get published the library that will allow other people to create flip clocks like this. You'll be able to customize the look and feel so you don't have to use the same colors. You don't have to use the same fonts. Um, you don't have to use the same sizes, although I will say there is a bit of a limitation on size just because um, the sprites that make this work are kind of large, uh, considering the size of our device and how much RAM we have. So there are some constraints around size. You can't just make it super, super huge massive, um, but you can play with it a bit. You can go down some, you can go up a little bit. Uh, I did test a couple that were bigger than this, um, but it was starting to get really, really tight on my device. I had to delete a bunch of other stuff. So I dropped it back down to the smaller one here. 
One thing we might try is a uh, a good trick for CircuitPython. If you want to make stuff bigger in Display.io, uh, a good trick that you can try is uh, actually make it smaller, counterintuitively, you make it smaller, but then you give it a scale too. So it will be twice as big as it was. And so you scale it down a bit, give it, you know, in your content, in your actual root file, so your images, in our case, the sprite sheets, we could make those sprite sheets smaller, but then at our group level in Display.io, we could set that scale to two so that, you know, each individual pixel will now be represented by two by two pixels. So each one goes to four, uh, which makes everything look bigger, of course, and bolder and, you know, bigger lines and, and, and thicker lines and things like that. So uh, we might give that a try. That would actually let us shave down the size of the sprite sheets a little bit, which would be nice. Um, and I think we could get it to a point where after we double it, it takes up pretty much the majority of the height on the screen. Because uh, I do think that would be nice if we could get this thing to be a little bit taller to take up that full height there. Um, okay, so that is a quick high-level look at what I'm going to work on. So I'm just going to jump straight in. If anybody has questions about anything that I am working on or about this widget or uh, any of the other widgets that work with it, um, feel free to drop them in the Discord or the YouTube chat. Those are the two chats I'm watching. I don't actually have an eye on the Twitch chat, so uh, if you are over on Twitch and you want to interact or ask a question or something, um, I would uh, encourage you, if you could, just head over to Discord or YouTube, and that's where you can uh, get to the chat that I will actually see. So uh, feel free to shout out questions if you have them. Otherwise, I'm just going to dive straight on in here. So first thing we want to do is run the cookie cutter uh, to make a new library well let's close our email so we're not popping stuff up randomly um, we want to run the cookie cutter whenever i need to run the cookie cutter i always just go to this learn guide um, learn guide page that's talking about um, sharing a circuit python library because this page documents the cookie cutter creating a library so this gives you the command to run this also gives you the all of the inputs, all the things that it's going to generate, as well as like all the questions it's going to ask you, um, all the prompts, you know, and what you can answer to each one. So I'm going to go just get a close that one. I'm going to go just get a re a um, a terminal opened up over here. Uh, let's see here. We got to go this way. For some reason, you can't open the terminal if you're in list view. I don't know why that is. I already have cookie cutter installed. I won't need to do that. We should be able to just run this command. Received last Monday 32-bit dev console from Primaroni UK. Nice. 32-bit dev console. We're going to run cookie cutter. Uh, and for folks that don't know, cookie cutter is the name of a project that's like kind of like setting up templated projects for you. Uh, you can build sort of a template for your project, and then you run this command, you answer a series of prompts, and then it spits out a, a new, you know, empty project folder for you to put your project into, and it includes all kinds of infrastructure files and, um, you know, PyPy and uh, read the docs files, all kinds of the things that we use in the CircuitPython libraries. So we're going to tell it yes, it can re-download itself, that's fine. We're going to target... Why is test in here? Is that intentional? That's interesting, isn't it? We downloaded the newest one. Hmm. 
Anybody know? Is that intentional? Let's take a quick, let's take a very minor quick detour. Let's just go look at cookie cutter. Maybe I pointed to the wrong one or something. Cookie cutter Adafruit. Uh, probably like this file. I don't know. Test is in there, huh? I wonder what that's for. Make tests run with cookie cutter 2. Make cookies. Interesting. I don't know when you would fill it in that way. I don't know if it's like, is it for creating tests or is it for creating libraries that are not under one of the other three target bundles, I guess. Is there a is there a test bundle maybe? Maybe that's it. Anyway, in our case though, we're gonna I'm gonna choose Adafruit. Um I don't know for sure yet if this is gonna end up being a library that uh, is going to go under Adafruit, or if not, then maybe we'll move it over to CircuitPython.org or community. For now, though, I'm going to make it as Adafruit because the project came from uh, Lady Ada. So my assumption would be once we make it that it will be an Adafruit library. We'll start with that. We'll say user is Adafruit, yeah. Author is me. Company, yeah. Library name. So this is where we want the smallest name for our library. This is where this comes in. Cookie cutter, read the docs, stable. Test has been in there for a couple of months now. Okay, so it's not necessarily brand new, but it is on the newer side, it sounds like. Redder project templates. Oh, yeah, here you go. This is kind of the high-level docs for cookie cutter. Thank you, uh, Ask Patrick, for dropping that one in there. So, yeah, anybody who's not familiar with cookie cutter, uh, you can learn more about it here. It's a really it's a really cool uh, project, honestly. I need to get it, um, I need to get it spun up for my work projects as well. Uh, CircuitPython is the first time uh, that I used Cookie Cutter was was as part of the CircuitPython stuff, but it is actually a really cool utility that could be super helpful if you're creating lots of projects that are similar in nature. They have the same infrastructure. Shortest name for the library, we're going to call the library uh, Display.io. Flip. So we're either going to go flip clock like that, or we're going to go flip clock like that. I think I like, I think I like this one a little bit better. I think we're going to do that one. Display IO flip clock. Enter library description, uh, display IO widgets for showing flip clock style animated animations changing from one number to another. Keywords, uh, display.io, are they commas or spaces? Enter a string of lowercase keywords, spaces. Okay, so we'll say display IO, we'll say clock, we'll say time, we'll say flip clock, we'll say display, LCD, widget, UI.
numbers number yeah i think that's a good list to start with library prefix we're going to leave that blank for adafruit product id so this will work with any displayio based like any microcontroller that supports circuit python and displayio this would work on it however i will say especially at the default size it's pretty much built specifically for this screen so maybe we should put this as the product but maybe we shouldn't because it can work on other project products it's just this is the one that it's kind of like most directly targeted at i think we're going to leave it out though i think we're going to leave it out because it can, I mean, you could run it on a Pi Portal. You could run it on anything with a display, really. So, do that. Requires bus device. I... Hmm. Kind of... Hmm. Not... Hmm. That's a tough one. I think no, technically. It doesn't... The library doesn't use bus device, but... The display, I think. Initializing the display does. Although our display is built in, so it's initialized in the core, which has its own bus device. I think we'll... Uh, I think we'll put yes, because I'm pretty sure you would have to have it for the display to work. Other requirements. Uh, we do have other requirements. It's going to be um, display.io widget. No, uh, display.io layout, I mean, is the name of the library. Flip clock, new window. Let me catch up here as well. Make test run, Jepler added it, make test run with cookie cutter too. I keep hearing about cookie cutter, but since I don't code libraries, I don't have a use for it. It's, re uh, it's really geared towards CP devs. Even built-in displays still use a bus. Yeah, I will say cookie cutter... Um, is a more general project. Cookie Cutter itself is like good for creating lots of kinds of projects. We have the specific fork that helps you create CircuitPython library projects, but uh, generally it's a much bigger, wider, um, just like uh, library or tool. It, it can create lots of different kinds of projects and it's just about, essentially really what it's about is like templatizing project setup so you're going to be creating lots of projects that are similar this makes it quicker and easier for you to actually create multiples um quickly i use cookie cutter for community bundle yep same here and CircuitPython.org bundle as well finally figured it out nice nice did you uh probably you submitted the palette fader if that's submitted maybe we'll take a look at that um tomorrow perhaps i'll i'll uh, go and review that if that's in there and hasn't been reviewed by somebody else um uh yeah so we need to get the other um other requirements which would be in our case it's going to be uh display io layout and that is oh and actually yeah cedar grove's palette fader as well okay Other requirements so I guess these are probably spaces in between or maybe commas this is why this uh, learn guide page is so good 
other requirements. Add any other module dependencies, enter a comma-separated string of modules using lowercase full name of the module dash instead of underscore, e.g. Adafruit hyphen CircuitPython hyphen PCA9685. Okay. So here's what here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna open Scratchpad here to paste this. Change these here. And then we'll do this one as well. And then we want them comma separated eventually, so I'll just go ahead and do that right there. Paste it in there. I wonder if it should be the space. It's probably all right with this. Yeah, there's a space here. Palafader was merged a couple days ago. Awesome. Sphinx. Uh, yeah, we'll go Sphinx. Um, there. Okay, so we're done. So now that will have created a folder for us called, in our case, Adafruit CircuitPython display IO flip clock, I think. Right here. Flip clock. So this is what got created. Here's all the code inside of it. Uh, one thing that we'll want to do right off the bat is our thing is going to be a package instead of a single file. So actually what I'll do is I'll open this up. Let's open this up in this one. Ah, but this is in a different repo or a different uh, place on my computer. There we are. New window. Can close that one. Uh, cancel. Oops, I clicked OK instead of cancel. I don't really want to set up an interpreter. Too late now, though. Oh, it failed. Look at that. Okay. We may have to see if this is on PyPy or not, and if not, we could probably take it out of requirements and document it separately. Circup can install it, so. Does anybody know if Circup can install from a requirements.txt? That'd be pretty cool. Uh, if you're only working with one file in each. Oh, uh, this was a response back to DJ Devin. Let's see. Oh, okay, maybe I could use it for templating some of my Git code projects. Usually only CodePy size, basically just an example level coder. If you're working with one file in each, there's uh, probably no point in templating it. The template includes all the files needed for libraries to be deployed and so on, as well as the library file template. Be a lot of crust. Yeah, I would. The one thing I would say is if you're planning on sharing your code, like if you want to publish it to GitHub, um, then I think it's definitely worth it to go ahead and use the cookie cutter. If for no other reason, then it's going to generate you license files and code of conduct files. So like. If you intend to share your thing kind of in the, the ecosystem, in the sphere of CircuitPython world, um, and you want to publish it on GitHub, it may be worth it to run the cookie cutter to get those couple of things. Because like it's always good to have license on published code 
Um, it's always good to have a code of conduct if there's a larger community involved. A readme file is always a really nice thing to have, um, and it will set up all of those things for you. Now, if you don't intend to share it, if it's just like a thing that you're using for yourself, it's way you know it's way less important, right? You you don't need a license for yourself, you know, for the thing that you created. You probably don't need a readme, although actually readmes to yourself are pretty helpful sometimes as well. You know, if you're not going to do read the docs, right, then you won't need any of this stuff. So, um, to Katni's point, definitely if there is a lot. You know, if you're if you're just making like a little single file library that you're going to use by yourself, probably not worth it. If you want to share it, though, I would say go ahead and look into Cookie Cutter. Um, it's pretty straightforward to run it. So, you know, it's a it's a couple of prompts, and not every single one of them might be something you need to use, but uh, some of them can still be helpful for you for sure. Circup uh, install help requirements file. There is a dash r. Okay, sweet. Using cookie cutter alongside GitHub Desktop was a fun challenge. Reduce the number of command line entries needed. Oh, that's pretty sweet. I didn't know that it would like uh, integrate in with the desktop thing. I downloaded GitHub Desktop, uh, but I have not done too much with it. Thanks for clarifying. Really for library coders and above. I gotcha. The PyPy part is now required for Adafruit libraries. Um, yeah, PyPy. So we'll, our flip clock here will be on PyPy. The one I don't know about, we'll have to check Cedar Groves to see if this is on PyPy or not. If it is, then we can have it in here, but if it's not, then we will just give them instructions to do it with Circup. Um, T755? I don't know what that means. Over in the uh, YouTube chat there. Alright, so one thing I said a minute ago, which we do need, is this is going to be a... I think they call it a package instead of a library, right? So... We are going to change this. Packages. We'll leave that name the same. We'll create the folder. You know what would be nice maybe is in Cookie Cutter to add one more prompt for package versus single file. Then it could... Well, that gets complex actually because it would have to have the... would have to have the folder inside of the template thing. Be helpful, but it might be complex. Uh, Adafruit display IO flip clock directory, create that. We'll make an init file inside of it. Dunder init. We'll put our header from this into there. We'll take out the duplicated one of these from the template file. We'll fix the spelling of animations. Hardware. So we could list some hardware here. I don't remember if these are supposed to be dented in or not. I'll fill in one of these, and then later on we could go back through and add pretty much any device with a built-in display. 
and lots of like external displays technically as well you could use i suppose i'm on the uh, s2 there is an s3 now i'm not sure if this would work on there or not so we'll do this one for now community bundle libraries are not on pypy okay no worries the new suggestion is all libraries to be on pypy for autocomplete to work in the ides i gotcha Yeah, a, I mean, a Circup integration in the IDE would be pretty sweet, too. Then it uh, then it wouldn't need PyPy as much. Okay, so then in here, this is where I'm going to drop in the classes that I do have already, which are Flip Clock and Flip Digit. Okay. Duplicate this and I'll say Cedar Grove palette later we'll link over to that it is now in the community bundle so i'll go circuit python community bundle try one of these later right there the long way around but this is going to get me over to this page which is what I'm trying to link here. Fader. Look up. Install. Because I'm pretty sure this takes from the community bundle, so I believe this will work now. You will need, as in flip digit, need the import style of this, lowercase underscores, there. Ooh, I think, oh, this is not markdown. Uh, what does the code work? I guess it's this thing. Ah, uh, no. Huh. What? I think this is... This might be trying to render it as Markdown.
I think this is not working right because uh, there's missing stuff in here, right? It says the following command, but then it doesn't show it. All right, we'll see what it looks like when we push it to Discord. I mean to uh, GitHub. Because I'm not sure that this... I don't know if this can render RST files correctly. I know it can do Markdown, but I'm not sure about RST. Uh, all right, let's get... Yeah, no, actually, this is where we're at. So, got those there. Examples. Simple test. We could go ahead and write the simple test. Actually, to be honest with you... Well, MIT, yeah, we'll have the simple test. I think what I'll do is um, flip clock simple test. I think it probably makes sense to also have a flip digit simple test as well. So let's copy that and we'll go. But the thing is, it's supposed to keep the name of the library. But I guess what we do is we go display IO flip clock flip digit test and then this one is actually probably the the most simple one because it's going to be just a single digit by itself uh, and I will go ahead and write the code for this so uh, yeah let's just let's just spit it out here import display IO no from we're gonna go from display IO import we want group definitely uh, anything else? I think, don't think so. Maybe though, we'll see. Import board. Let's go display equals board dot display shouty. Let's go uh, create a group. Main group equals uh, group, new group. We will put a while true. We'll put a pass. We'll make a flip digit. Flip digit equals flip digit. We're going to need to pass a lot of stuff to that. We're going to need to import this. We're going to go main group, main group.append, flip digit. And inside our while true loop, uh, we're going to actually go 4i and range 9 or actually 10. Flip digit.value equals i time.sleep 0.75 okay we need all the stuff that goes in here hey guys how's it going tonight uh what's doing tonight where i am working on a flip clock widget so i cookie cutter the library and i'm working on right now specifically writing an example for the flip digit uh, but more generally what we're working on today is uh, getting the these widgets that I have created, flip digit and flip clock, getting them into uh, a, a real repository with all the rest of the infrastructure stuff it needs, get the examples written, get the code cleaned up and commented, because right now they are purely functional. It's not really commented at all. There's probably some bits that could be cleaned up and done better. Um, there's probably still some things that are hard coded that might not, you know, probably shouldn't be. So that kind of cleanup and just getting it ready for other people to use it more generally, that's the kind of stuff I'm working on right now. 
Um, I think we're pretty close here. We would pretty much just need the stuff that's inside of here, and then I think... I think we'd be good to go here. I think this would work. So let's find... Well, so this one just passes it straight through from there, which is not as helpful, truthfully. Uh, I want to say maybe we have a copy of this back into here? Yeah. So we need to load all the sprite sheets. And there are three sprite sheets. Um, means we're going to need to put those in the examples folder. Do we want them inside of a directory? Let's just leave them in examples for now. We could get refactored later. We do want them inside of the directory. So this takes three sprite sheets. You need the static sprite sheet, which shows each digit by itself, the full digit. So this is one of the ones we need. And then we need the bottom animation sprite sheet and the top animation sprite sheet. So there's these two right here. This one gives you the bottom half of all those digits, and then each column represents one frame within the flip animation for that half. So each column in here represents one frame of the bottom half of the flipping animation. And then in this one, each frame represents one frame of the top half of the flipping animation. So it will cycle through these one at a time in order to basically play the animation. Was going to ask, what's pass versus continue? Looked it up and immediately realized the problem I was having with my lore code is because I'm using continue instead of pass. Nice. Nice seeing, uh, watching you just paid off huge help for my project. Awesome. That is great to hear. Okay, so we'll grab these two as well. We're going to drop those in the examples folder. Oop, wrong one. We're going to need um, licenses for these because reuse will just complain if we don't have licenses. So let's create those. Static sheet.bmp.license. And... Here's one I can steal. I don't know the exact like format or whatever of this. So let's try image load or a slideshow. I know there's images in here. Oops, I really, I wanted uh let's see, I want GitHub. Nope, that's not GitHub either. This will get me to GitHub. It's one click away at least. There is an images folder here. Maybe we should have an images folder. 
Okay. Take another one of these for each of the others, because we need a license for every file, gray, bottom, animation, right sheet. Gray top animation sheet. We shouldn't have one called sheet and one called sprite sheet. So let's just call it sheet. Hey, that fixed the license file too. I am actually pretty surprised about. I totally expected to have to change the license file afterwards. Okay. So we need to image load our sprite sheets. This code. which means we need to import this. Oh, this was actually already called sheet here, interesting. Now we've got those. Um, these are the wrong size. These, th this is the bigger size, actually. So we should probably actually maybe make variables for these things for the example. That way, all of the variables are up top, which basically declare all of these different arguments. So sprite width. And this is actually 48, not... No, it's uh Let's go height and then width. Do I do height first? Oh. This is 480 by 500, and it's also 10 by 10. So that means each sprite in this sheet is 48 pixels wide by 50 pixels tall. Oops. This looks wrong. I know this came from commented out code, but this looks backwards because I'm pretty sure all of the sprites I've used so far were taller than they were wide. So I don't know why this would have a larger width than a height. Uh, Devo Dessa, sorry, Tim. Gotta go. Night all. Yeah, no worries at all. Uh, have a good night, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a good uh, weekend and all that stuff. Thanks for hanging out. So here we'll plug in sprite width. 
and sprite height. Animation delay. Call it that for now. Shave it off a bit. Transparent indexes. I'm using range 11. Brighter level, darker level, medium level. One thing we could maybe do also is we could configure it so that if you leave these blank, maybe it just won't do the darkening. And then that would also remove the uh, requirement for palette fader. So if you want to have the darker stuff on the bottom, then you get it. Uh, you put these in and you use um, Cedar Grove's uh, amazing palette fader. Or if you leave those out, then it will still work, you just won't see the darkness on the bottom. Although I will say another thing you could do to cheat this a little bit is you could actually, um, you could actually just darken this sprite sheet. I think. And I think that would let you have the darker bit, at least on the bottom half? Maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it wouldn't. I'm not sure. I have to step through the animation again. It's really particular about, like, it animates the top half, and then it animates the bottom half, and at different times, it also changes the tile grid to be the static one. So, like, it shows the old one with the animation on top of it, and then it reveals the new one with the static thing behind it. So it's like... Pretty particular the steps everything happens in, so I don't know if just making those darker in the sprite sheet would actually work like I was thinking a minute ago, but it's possible. So we'll say brighter level, we'll just keep the values we have, 99, 0 0.5, 0 0.9. And then we'll fill those in down here. Medium level. We called it flip digit instead of digit. I will scoot it to X. Honestly, uh, guilty confession, I guess. The reason why I moved this to 100 is actually because I have the sticker here that I am thus far still choosing not to take off yet, my screen protector. Uh, but I did want to scoot it over to be like over here because this thing is on top of it. So compensating for not removing my screen protector, which I probably should just remove the screen protector instead but I'm resisting for now. Flip digit, move it to X, append it, count it between 0 and 9. I think this is everything we need to make this work. So what I'm going to do is go back to my device. I'm going to say code, copy-paste this as, as code underscore NTP flip clock. 
and then copy this there's that so now I'm gonna delete code delete paste this as code here's an example of use of continue from one of my projects nice you'll continue save that and yeah, let's see, is this actually working or did it crash? No module named date time. Yeah, that should just be time. No module named Adafruit Display IO flip clock, which is fine. That just is because we have not copied this library right here to our device yet. Tile height must exactly be divisible by bitmap height. Ah, that one's got to be 50. Well, it's supposed to be 50. Right. Who knows what we forgot? I know what we forgot. We never called display dot show main group. Created a main group, we added our flip digit to it, we moved its location, we never showed it on the display. There it is though. Uh one thing that might be nice is if we started on one instead of zero. Because I noticed that when it ran the first time, it flipped from 0 to 0. Actually, I thought we added uh, an if statement that prevented that. Did we not do that? We did that. So it's on 0, and then it still flips to 0. See, that's interesting. I could have swore maybe it's in a different copy or maybe I lost it in the shuffle somewhere. I could have swore, or maybe we did that at the clock level. Maybe we did that at the clock level, actually. That sounds right. Yeah, these ones here are checking the value. and then not changing it if it's already on the right value. Okay, so we should, I think we should have the same logic inside digit. So when you set value like this, it should say only do this stuff if new value is different than old value. And that would actually make it so that it will not flip from zero to zero. It'll basically just do nothing for the first one. 
means it'll stay on zero for a little bit longer, but it won't do anything else. Ooh, no, it still flipped zero to zero, didn't it? Interesting, okay. I tell you what, unfortunately, I got a little bit too much coffee and water in me. I gotta run to the restroom. I'm not gonna make it through the rest of the stream. So I'll leave this running here and then I'll come back and troubleshoot it. I'll be back in just a minute. Sorry for leaving you hanging for a minute here. Okay, so, oh, well, we didn't update it on the device. Yeah, see, I wasn't thinking straight. I knew, knew I wasn't going to make it. So we edited it in here, but we did not paste it to the device. We'll certainly have to do if we want the new version to run. There we go. Now it spends like an extra beat on zero before it starts, but it makes it so it doesn't flip from zero to zero, uh, which looks weird. And in the physical version of this thing wouldn't have been possible because each number is like actual physical little cards or whatever, right? Like there's, it would have to have two zeros in order to do that, but I don't think that it would. I think it has one of each one of each digit. Got everything working uh, just right now and I don't want to touch it. Uh, it's like it has a mind of its own. Yeah, I'll totally, uh, totally understand that, that mindset where the program just doing its own thing. Has a mind of its own where it switches between transmitting and receiving, but not both. That's a handy tip. Right now it's doing both, but if I reset the board, it'll magically make up its mind to do one or the other. When I, uh, let's see, to the point that I actually swapped in another board thinking it might be a board issue, but it still happens. So it's potentially a library bug dealing with CRC and ACK returns. Could be. I don't have a lot of, um, don't have a lot of experience on the LoRa stuff. I've played around with it a few times, but not done any sort of, like, in-depth troubleshooting on it. Um, so this, I think, is pretty darn good for a simple test for the digit. Maybe one more thing that might be good to add to this is um, center it instead of randomly just setting it to X100. Uh, we could actually center it instead, which seems like a pretty nice thing to do. So let's do that. And the reason why we can do that super easily is because flip digit extends 
something that's not imported in this file because it's imported inside flip digit, but it extends displayio layout dot widget, which has anchor point and anchored position, just like display text do. So we'll say point is 0 0.5, 0 0.5. We'll say position is display width over two, display height over two, move no because I did this in here and we need to put it back on our device oh my guy uh, even input a bug report about the Laura board that has random behavior you did input a bug report I think is what you mean uh, if so that's definitely the best thing to do especially if it's repeatable like if you can you have a relatively small example that shows it. No module date time. Oh. Let's get that fixed before I forget again. Although random behavior does make it harder, it might not be consistent. In which case, it could be. Oh, I think the 48, 48. Yeah, I should have been working in the one in the repo, I guess. Huh? Or I should have copied it back maybe to the repo. So I just had a thought, actually. We could... We could divide the size of the sprite sheet to get these instead of hard coding them. Hmm. That's an interesting idea. I wonder wonder if that's how we want to do it, or do we want them to just be variables? I mean, one thing is we have a lot of arguments for this thing. I do think it would be nice to cut down on some of them. Is there ever a scenario where it would be different than sprite sheet divided by the number of tiles? I Think so? Okay, I think what I'm going to do is compute it at this level for now, but we might actually go back inside of flip digit init and compute it inside there instead of passing it in. Not going to for right now this second, but that is what we might do eventually what I will do for now though is go here and we'll go we know the static sprite sheet is 
3 over by 4 down. Three columns by four rows. And this has to divide evenly. So this is 144 over 400. If we divide 144 divided by three, that's gonna give us our width. If we divide 400 by four, that's gonna give us our height. But the height is actually double because our other sprites are animated sprites have top half and bottom half separated. So we would have to divide this out and then actually cut the height in half. So for width, we would go static sprite sheet dot width over three. And then this one we'd go static sprite sheet dot height over four. And then over two also. Back to the version without show. That doesn't seem right. I think I started from an old version of this. I feel like I'm missing stuff that I have already done. Maybe we did it in clock, but not digit? Yeah. Did it in clock, but not widget. Okay, that does make sense. So really what we want is inside digit, we need to be 
setting the height and the width when we initialize the parent, which is the widget object in our case. Yeah, random issues, worst kind of issues to track down no matter what you're doing, from cars to plumbing or whatever, yeah. Totally agreed there. So we're going to go, I'm going to try to stop screwing myself up here. I'm going to try to make all of my edits in the repo and then copy to my device. That way when we're done, everything's working how we want. It'll all be in the repo ready to go. We won't have to copy back from the device to the repo. I'm going to try to do that. So inside of flip digit, we're going to go in here and make it so that it tells the widget the size because that is why the anchor point is not working correctly, is because it doesn't know its own size, uh, which is very important for anchor positioning, is to know its own size. So here we would go width equals, and in this case, the width is equal to the tile width, and the height is equal to the tile height, Height, oh, comma, over, no, times two, times two. Because the full digit is both the top half and the bottom half together. So height times two, but the tiles are talking about the tiles in the animation sprite sheet, which are half of the full digit. So do that. Okay, again, so I'm editing in my repo, so let's copy flip digit, put it on our device. There we go. Now we're centered up. I'm glad I wrote that into the example because I may not have noticed that that was broken if we hadn't, so. That is good. So we got our flip digit. I think this is probably a good example, right? I mean, this is definitely nice and easy. It shows just the digit by itself, shows you how to set it up, shows you how to change it over time. I think this is a pretty good example, so pretty happy with that one. We'll change over to the flip clock next. Why do you edit in one window and copy-paste into the device uh, and auto-reload if you edit the file and device? Really good question. The main reason is just because I am ultimately going to push the repo when I'm done with all this. Um, and doing it this way makes it so I don't risk pushing the repo with a different version of the code than what's running on my device. Um, so I, I want to keep my device and the repo in sync. They should always be having the same things. And so that's why I'm doing it that way, is editing it in the repo, then copying it to the device. I could edit it on the device. We could save it live right there. And then as long as I remember to copy it back into the repo, everything would still be fine. Um, but I am a little forgetful sometimes, and I don't want to risk it. So doing it this way just basically means I won't, I shouldn't ever end up with different code in the repo versus on my device that I'm running to test. Yeah, good question, though. So the clock simple test, I think for this one, we will pretty much do most of the NTP example, except we won't drive it with NTP. Instead, we will 
just hard code it and use a for loop with an incrementing thing like we did. When that's done, we'll make another example that does use the NTP. I always edit in VS Code and then terminal copy to the file, uh, to terminal copy over to the device. Let's go get rid of this. We don't need that. Secrets we will keep. Flip clock I'll put above. We'll fix this. It needs to be from Adafruit this dot. Okay. We don't need Wi-Fi or socket pool. We yeah, we'll still need time. I think we don't need any of this stuff. We could should be able to get by with just group, I think. Dot. How's it going, James Fishwick, uh, over in the YouTube? Thanks for hanging out with us. I'm not sure if you meant to type anything longer or not, but appreciate you being here, and I hope you have a nice day and a nice night and all that fun stuff. So thanks for thanks for hanging out. Uh, we'll get rid of this one. We'll get rid of this one. We should probably have all the same variables. But the repo could mirror the device rather than your hard drive. Um, I mean, I guess you could probably have a repo on the device. The problem with that, though, is that the repo inside the .git folder, there's a hidden folder called .git, G-I-T, uh, and git is constantly writing stuff into there, which on CircuitPython, um, when it writes those files, it would cause a reboot. We don't necessarily want that. We also don't necessarily want to use up extra room, uh, which the git files would. And then the last reason I'll say that I don't necessarily want to do that is I do also want to keep a bunch of other stuff, right? Like I have this example, I have this example, I have all these other codes. None of these have anything to do with this project, but I do want to keep them on my device. Um, so if I made my device into a repo, I'd have to a git ignore or something to get those to not be checked in. So this, all this stuff can stay the same. Oh, we already have actually animation delay. We don't need two of those. This one is not a digit, it's a clock. We can still fill in all of these other values though. Oh, we need the height and width. go medium level next oh we got the whole line that's not that's not what we want there we go no why we would i don't know why we were setting y to zero i'm gonna get rid of that we're gonna do the anchor point anchor position again 
gonna create our main group. We're gonna add our clock to it. We're gonna actually show it this time. We are gonna get it, pun intended. Thanks. Nice. I like it. Um, I don't. I don't think we need these. We definitely don't need this. We want this to be slower, so... I mean faster, so I will definitely speed that up past 10 seconds, and I think mostly this is what we want, actually. So, current value equals the first pair. Next value equals current value plus one. First pair equals next value. Current value equals second pair. Next value equals current value plus one. Second pair equals next value. Let's do one more thing in here, like if next value greater than 59. next value equals zero. And then this one will be greater than 11, no, 12. No, 23? Let's do 23. But honestly, these are backwards, right? First pair, this one should be 23. This one should be 59. We're thinking minutes and seconds. Or, uh, excuse me, not minutes and seconds, obviously. Uh, hours and minutes That's what I meant there. I did make this generic enough. I called this first pair and second pair. I thought about using hours and minutes. I might still go back and add hours and minutes properties that are like just helpers um, for for convenience, you know, convenience accessors. But I figured if I did it more generic, if I made this first pair and second pair, then some people could use this for hours and minutes. Other people could use it for minutes and seconds. Um, other people could use it for something totally different uh, if they're not actually keeping track of time or something, right? So. I didn't want to commit to any particular label on those, which is why I ended up with second pair and first pair. But convenience properties might still be in the in the future for this. That might be a nice idea. For now, though, I think this is good. We're just incrementing the first pair until it gets over 23, incrementing the second pair until it gets over 59. I will say this is not going to, it's not representative of how a clock would work, right? Because it's going to increment hours and minutes every time. If we wanted it to be more like a real clock, we would increment minutes. If they go up above a certain thing, then we would increment hours. Um, but I do want to show in this example the thing actually updating more frequently. I don't want the first pair to just only update after like a long time, right? So... Save that, let's copy it out. We'll go, I'm actually back on my device, so I'm actually gonna go copy paste this again and go flip 
digit test. That way we have a copy of that one on my device still. We're going to take all this, put, put this stuff in it. And see if it works. But I bet we probably forgot at least something, right? Close. Pair value must be string with length 2. Codepy line 58, so this is when we try to set the first pair, so we would I guess the zero? We would we would start out on zero. So that would be zero zero. We would change it to an int, which would then be down to just zero. We would add one to it. We would not be over 23 in this case. We would not go into there, but then we would try to set it. So honestly, this is another thing that I feel like I solved. When we go to set for, yeah, see, I thought this was, okay, so when we go to set first pair, which is what we're doing, saying first pair equals new value, there's new pair coming in, if length of new pair is exactly one, then Go new pair equals a string with a zero and then whatever's already in new pair. So pad it at the beginning with a single zero if its length was exactly one. Why does that not work though? One. So that is the string one. String containing a single character. The character is the digit one. Oh, so I think the problem is that this ever made it into the repo? 
Yes, okay, see this is like what I was talking about earlier where I don't want my repo to get out of sync from my device. This is what, this is the, the exact situation that I got myself into. So I had a newer copy of Flip Clock on my device than the one that was in my repo. But now the question is, have they changed? Hmm. Okay, that was the only change. So we didn't do anything else, but we did have that difference. So I just pulled those in now, and we should have it. Delete this. Yeah, we got this code in there now. Okay, so we'll take that flip clock. We will now put that in our lib folder here. There we go. I guess this does mean um, they're going to be showing the same number for a while here. This feels very slow. Hmm. Slower than last time? I'm not sure. So maybe it would be cool to start them on different numbers, that way they're not always in sync like this. I mean, it doesn't matter, it does show an example of how to use the thing, but it'd kind of be cooler, I think, if they were on different numbers. So what if we did clock.firstpair... Uh, let's just say 15 or 18. Type int has no length. This needs to be a string. Oh, but we should be having a better catch on that, right? thought we had a catch for that. Uh...
So we're kind of double dipping with our logic here, which is what got us in trouble. So really what we need is this one kind of should be its own thing. And then this. So if it's not a string, and do this. If we get to here, that means it was a string. If it only has length one, then pad it with a zero. If it doesn't have length exactly two, return this. It kind of does feel bad, truthfully, to have this, right? I don't want to have to duplicate that, truthfully, but we need to make sure it's a string before we... call length on it. So we could put this first, but then our logic doesn't work right, because this will say, or if length is not equal to 2, and then it will raise, but we want to allow 1 also, since we're going to fix that in the next line. So I guess we have to say, or... or... So if it is not a string, or if it is not two, or if it is not one. So it has to be either two or one, and it has to be a string. Otherwise, we're going to raise this exception. If it was length one, then we are going to zero pad it right there which will then make it length two, which is still valid. We'll put the same thing here. Now our value is not duplicated. It does still feel a little weird, truthfully, because now this is basically duplicated, right? We pretty much have this here and the same thing here, but not the end of the world. Copy that, drop it to our device.
first pair. Oh, it does still need to be a string. Must be a string with length two. It is a string with length two. My if the if statements must be wrong, right? Alright, when in doubt, print it out. That's what I always say. No, I don't think I'm not sure I've ever said that before. Maybe once or twice. It's pretty catchy though. Maybe I should start saying it. I do believe it, I'll tell you that. When in doubt, print it out. One more with this whole thing. Okay, uh, false. So it is not, not a string. So it is a string. False is not equal to two. Makes sense. True. Because it is two. So this equated to false. True, it's not equal to one. Is also factual because it is length two. Therefore, it's not length one. But then this was true. Is this supposed to be an and? An and? I think so. Really, we want this last one to be false in our case. Or... True? That didn't work. That didn't change. What do we want the last one to be? I don't know if I I don't I don't think I like the logic this way. Um Okay, what if we said not equals to 
And not equals one. Thank you. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. That is the... Not... Length new pair in... Not. So if it is not a string, raise this. Or if it is a string, but the length of it is not in one or two, then also raise this exception. That should be right. Thank you, Seagrover. There we go. But now we died on second pair, but that's fine because that's just because we don't need, that's because we do need the same logic down there. Saving automatically? This is not showing me the asterisk. like this I don't editor is messed up but it's also weird we didn't get hello last time so it's just still running it didn't uh, it didn't restart so that tells me it didn't save but I just don't see the asterisk Not in here either. 
Let's try to restart it here. know what that was about but I think we're good now also get the library repo this one let's open that so now I have edited the wrong one so I made changes on My device, but we need to get them back to the repo. Duplicated code fragment 10 lines long. That's not a duplicate. This is different down here. even knows it's not a duplicate it sees the difference why does it warn me that's a duplicate is there a way we could refactor it though because it would be kind of nice I don't, nothing like immediately jumps out. I mean, I could like, uh, I mean, I could do something like this, right? We could have like def validate new pair. We could move all of this inside here. And then it avoids a little bit of duplication. Yeah, I need to get that to go away. How do I do? Okay. This gets rid of the part that is actually duplicated. Now it just thinks we have one that's five lines long. I don't get that. I don't see why those aren't those aren't duplicates though. Like these are different variables. We could maybe use a list or a dictionary or something. I don't I don't I'm not sure we're actually gonna get rid of that part though. I feel like this is kinda pretty close to bare minimum for what we need in there. Fun. Um. 
See, now I'm paranoid that I could have changed something in there and we're about to overwrite it. So what I'm going to do is do a comparison again. This is why I'm trying to always do it the same way so that I don't end up accidentally overwriting one or the other. Identical. That's not true. Yeah, I chose the wrong one. There we go. Okay. Okay. Code pi, this would be our flip clock example. We won't need that. Guess I didn't uh didn't actually save here. Actually, I got rid of that print. We should, excuse me, we should probably take that, put it back into CodePy. This is what we want. Uh, I do apologize, but I have got to run to the restroom again. Been sitting here drinking too much water, apparently, so I'll be back in just a minute again. We'll pick up where we left off. I'll probably be wrapping up before too long, but I'm not going to make it without just dancing around here, so BRB.
Okay. Oh, got a little ahead of myself there. Okay. So this I think works pretty good for clock um, as the example. I think maybe we should make another one that does actually count. Uh, maybe minutes and uh, minutes and seconds. Do you want to do that? Or do we want to count hours and minutes, but just do it faster? Let's do that. Let's make another one that is going to count hours and minutes instead of like this one, which is just kind of arbitrarily increasing each pair. Um, and let's make one that actually sort of follows the hours and minutes. So we'll say flip clock simple test, but I'll call it hours and minutes. Why do we have this? We don't need this. All of the rest of the setup is going to be the same. We will just let this start on zero. We will increment the minutes, and if that gets over 59, then we'll increment the hour. So I guess what I'm going to do is cur hour equals zero cur minute actually I'm gonna say clock first pair clock second pair and then we're gonna use these instead so cur minute equals clock that second pair We'll say next minute equals none, next hour equals none. So, ah, oh, shoot, we're supposed to be minute. Current minute equals second pair. Next minute equals current minute plus one. If next minute greater than 59, change it down to zero. Set this here. And also do this inside of here, which is pretty much take this, put it in here but make it 
per hour, next hour, next hour, next hour, per hour. So if the minutes get 260, then increment the hour. And if the hours get to greater than 23, just reset back to zero. Change the minutes and then time.sleep and let's go quicker, maybe 0.5. I kind of want it to go pretty fast because I don't necessarily, like I definitely don't want real time. I do want people to not have to wait for like a full hour to see it, you know, click over, right? So we're going to be going faster than real time, but I want it to count the same way it would if it were going in real time. The same values, not the same speed. Flip clock test. The code goes here. Almost kind of curious, like, what's the fastest we can get this without it seeming ridiculous? I guess, I mean, the animation is blocking, so, like, theoretically, I suppose we could just go without this, and that would be as fast as it can go. It might look a little crazy, though, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, pretty fast. Cool looking though. Okay, I don't want to sit through for it too much, but I do want to make sure that the first pair increments correctly and that this goes from 59 back to zero and it did. Well, that's looking good. So I'll watch it uh, flip over past the two. Just make sure that the hours go up to two. Make sure that this 59 goes back to zero. Yeah. Okay, I like that. Be a little slower? Should we slow it down a little bit? Yeah, I do like that. That it's still fast. It still doesn't feel like we're gonna be waiting that long. But it just it gives it a split second in there to kind of breathe while it's just in between, right? Let's us just see it without the animation for just a hair. 
I do actually like that effect. I think that's nicer. So we'll leave that sleep in. This was code hours and minutes. Why is this red? Statement? Oh. What happened here? Why is this all indented? minutes and then I think the last example that I'll have for now will be the NTP example so let's go copy flip clock simple test and let's say flip clock NTP test and this one will use the actual NTP library. It will use secrets. It will fetch the time from the internet. It will show the time on the flip clock. but it will be in my time zone. Can you have both digits turn over simultaneously at zero nine? Uh, short answer is no, not really. The longer answer is not right now because the animation is synchronous. Uh, the frames of the animation have time.sleeps inside of them, so you couldn't... There's no way to run two animations at once because each one tries to sleep. Um, I started the other night working on trying to make it asynchronous instead, uh, but I quickly decided that it was getting too complex, uh, the logic for the asynchronous one. So we may still eventually uh, make it asynchronous. I'm not 100% sure, not, not dead set any, any which way just yet. So potentially we will make it asynchronous. If we do that, then you would theoretically have the ability to make it so that both can flip at once instead of sequentially. Um, but as of right now, it's stuck sequential because of the time dot sleeps. Good question, though. Yeah, I did, and I did have that in mind. And I did make the attempt, but it started getting pretty hairy pretty fast because it turns out the animations are kind of complex. Um, but I just need to would need to go back and kind of make a state machine for the animations. Ah, no, 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 we want NTP. Saw the first updating, let's see, I saw first updating the hours, then minutes at passing 59. Wouldn't it be better to first show minutes and then update hours? Uh... 
I don't necessarily know which one I think is better. Uh, let's see, yep, that I like. The flip clock being updated for at least the start set by the NTP server, then maybe after some time sync it again. Yeah, that's how this one works, is it sets it from the NTP at the beginning, uh, and then it, it checks over time to get the newer values from the NTP so that it stays in sync with it. Um, show it flip the from 59 to 0 before the hour. So we could do it, but it will make the comp it will make the logic more complex because basically We would need like else here. And then this inside of here. I think that's what we would need at least. Let it let it roll through real quick. Just a short uh, moment. It was just a short moment, but it looked like the seconds were hanging for a moment. So I will say one thing is the um, the camera that this is being filmed on sometimes hitches, and then also this is being streamed over Wi-Fi from that camera back to my computer. That stream also sometimes hitches, so. Uh, occasionally there will be like pauses or delays or weird jumping action on whatever we're looking at here. Usually that is not on the display IO thing itself. It's typically uh, either the camera that's viewing this or the stream that is streaming this back to my PC here that we're viewing it from. So I think this one did do the minutes first, right? I was talking over it, but I think I caught it there and I do believe it did the minutes first. I'll say, too, the minutes feel like seconds, probably, right? Because it's going so fast, but they do still... Technically, they do still represent minutes. You know, the other thing we might want to do is when we go from, like, the nines, like, 49 to 50, I wonder if it should flip the 9 to 0 before the 4 to 5 or something. Yeah, I, I think it probably should. Because, like, when it's going to flip both, it flips the tens digit before the ones digit, but I think actually flipping the ones digit before the tens digit might look more natural. Yeah, I feel like it would, I think. I feel like it would. I don't necessarily want to make that change right right now, but... I'm going to keep that one in mind, and we may we may try to knock that one out later. Uh, what I do want to do right now, though, is try to wrap up the NTP one, and then once we wrap up the NTP one and get it tested, we uh, probably will be heading out for the night. So if anybody does have last-minute questions, comments, ideas, things you want to share, 
Uh, now is the time to get those in the Discord or the YouTube chat. I will finish up this NTP test one. Import. Import? Import. So now the stuff in here is also different, but not too much. Thanks, Tim, for the stream. Looking forward to downloading the updated click flop repo, clock flip repo. Yeah, uh, totally. You're welcome for the stream, and um, that is awesome. I will push it, I think, before we, before I cut out here tonight, I'll push it to my own GitHub. Eventually, we'll, if it's going to live under Adafruit, eventually it'll get created under there as well, but I will go ahead and push when I'm done here to my GitHub, and then I'll share the link in the chat. Anybody who wants to play with this code can. Perfect. So that is in my time zone again, 18.11, because it is 6.11 p.m. here. So I'll let this run here for just a minute. Uh, maybe while that's working, I'll scrunch this over and get a new one here. Maybe we'll start doing that new repo stuff. There it goes to 18.12. It is, in fact, now 6.12. Can't drag here. Oh, oh no. Oh, oh. Wait, that is hard to hit. New repo. This is Adafruit Display IO Flip Clock. That's what I did, right? We should say pre-generated. I do think it's important to understand this is a bit like, you know, it's a bit like a magic trick, right? We stuffed the bunny in the hat before we were able to pull it out. In our case, the bunny is these pre-generated sprite sheets. Um, that really is kind of like the key of this whole thing, making it work, is these sprite sheets right here. 
uh, which I'll also be releasing the PIL code that creates these. Um, in fact, I will. I may as well. I'll just go ahead and drop that in the repo as well before I push the first time. So public. Yeah, we'll leave all the rest of this blank because we already got license and git ignore and all the rest of the stuff. Readme and everything. We got all that from Cookie Cutter. Go create repo. Copy that. So in here we're gonna go git init. No. Just like that, git init. Then we're gonna go git remote add foamy guy this. Then we're gonna go git checkout dash b main. Then we're gonna go git not in here though. Git add dot git ignore. And push for the first time. Git ignore. Let me go main. Push. Pushing. Refresh. Okay, we got our git ignore. Now we're gonna go add everything else. Add. Almost certainly gonna fail uh, actions because we haven't done pylint, we haven't done pre-commit, we haven't even done black or anything. So like, it's definitely, you know, more than likely this is gonna be failing actions and I do know that we will come back and fix it. Uh, but I'll get the first version at least pushed. So we did, we're not using that file anymore. We can delete that. And then what I'll do is inside of examples, I'll make another directory for Sprite sheet generator. And that I have over here. Make sprites flip animations. But this is the bigger one, which I don't actually want, truthfully. I want the smaller one. That wasn't very much stuff to change, huh? Any more in here? Twelve. We'll go down to eight. I will say the bigger the padding, um, the more pronounced the 3D tilt effect will look because that padding size becomes the part of where it can grow to make it look angled, to make it look like it's closer to you. So more padding means more room to be angled, which means that that transition, that, that translation of that 3D rotation there will look a little bit more pronounced if you have a bigger palette. I mean a bigger padding, rather. I don't think you need to do the git ignore push before anything else that fills your local... Uh, that file tells your local git what to do. Yeah, I 
think you are probably right, but I still always do it this way. It's just kind of like the the path I have gotten into is doing it this way, and I know that this way works, and so I don't tend to experiment with it too much. But that being said, I do think you're right. I think I could add all that stuff at once, and I think it would work. Um, call it superstition, I guess, basically, that I don't do it that way anyway. No, I think it does work. Forty-eight hundred by five hundred. Okay. Copy that. That over here. That's being nice. Don't need to do it. That's true. Yeah, no, I don't, I think, yeah, I don't think I need to do it. I just do it out of superstition, basically. No, no good rhyme or reason for why I do it. I just started doing it that way and have kept doing it that way. Yeah. All right. that's in there we definitely need to come back and clean this up still we got some old commented out stuff we have no documentation comments we have no type annotations or anything like that uh, we don't have those in the widgets either which we'll want to add probably as well but this does get the base version all into the repo i believe and this has got everything we want NTP test. Oh, we don't want 13 on this though. Did we change that here? Yeah, let me take that, put it back to this NTP test. Yeah. Okay. Now we can push all of this. Uh, initial, let's see, uh, commit things. do's yeah so we have to do's that i didn't take care of that are you know they come that way in the cookie cutter you need to go take care of each of them when you spin up a new library i did not do all of that so we have to do's that my thing is telling me about which will also make it fail the actions but that's okay mostly i just want to get it out there so that people can use it if they want so that's now pushed i will drop a link to it in the discord chat here if anybody wants to try out the widgets, they're in that repo. Uh, they are inside of the library here. There are three different examples that are set up now, uh, which show three different ways you can use the library. One of them is the most basic, the digit by itself. The next one is the entire clock. The next one is the clock with hours and minutes. And then, actually, I lied. There's four examples. And the fourth one is the NTP version that will actually fetch the time from the internet and show that live on the screen. So it is staying in sync here. It's 621 and that is showing 1821. So we're all good there. And then the last thing that's in the repo is the PIL script that makes the three sprite sheets. It makes the static sprite sheet and the two animation sprite sheets. Uh, it's not documented at all, so it's kind of like run at your own, you know, not really at your own risk. It shouldn't do anything bad, but 
you, know, you kind of got to get set up for it and run it yourself. You'll need Pillow uh, or some other version of PIL, the Python Imaging Library. You'll need to install that um, and NumPy as well. But then you should be able to run this. It should, when you run it, create static sheet.bmp, uh, not this, bottom animation sheet and top animation sheet. Those are the three things you want to take and put on your device in order to use the widget. So I think that is going to do it for now. I got through creating the repo and we got through creating the examples. I didn't do quite as much of the cleanup as I had hoped to get through. So some of that's going to have to wait for perhaps tomorrow or later on. Um, I will, while I'm wrapping it up here, say as a reminder for folks, what we mentioned earlier is that tomorrow morning is our first uh, CircuitPython help desk. Here, I think I just put that, that's on the screen, right? Or did that go away? Oh no, have we been missing the Discord for like, ever? Or did it just go away? Huh. Hopefully we were not missing that for the whole Wait, now it's tough because I, there it is. Okay, uh, hopefully that was not gone the whole time. If it was, then I apologize. But yeah, usually I try to put the Discord chat up there. Um, this right here though, CircuitPython help desk. First ever CircuitPython help desk is tomorrow morning. This is gonna be a new thing that we do uh, on some sort of schedule. I don't know that we have the schedule 100% nailed down yet, so we don't know when the next one will be, but our hope is to do this every so often, you know, once a month or uh, every other month or something like that, something fairly regular. Um, we're going to try to shift the times around, so tomorrow we're doing it Saturday morning. You know, next time we might choose a, an evening or we might choose a weekday or whatever, right? We'll try to shift the times around to make it good for all members of the community, no matter what time zone you're in. This one is the first one, though, and it is tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, 8 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, so that is, uh, that is, uh, so for my time, that is, uh, 7 a.m. starting, and then even earlier, uh, 6 or 5 over on the West Coast, so I think I got that right. A fair warning, I'm not great with time zones, maybe I did it backwards. That's possible too, but I think I got it. So the important bit though is 8 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow. You can translate that to whatever time zone you're in. Um, and that's when we will be kicking off that first ever CircuitPython help desk. We'll be here on Discord. Um, so I encourage folks, if you want to get involved in CircuitPython, but for whatever reason you haven't done it or you think it's too hard or maybe you gave it a try and got stuck on something or whatever, um, if that's you, then join us tomorrow on the Discord for the help desk hours. There will be plenty of folks around who are willing to help people who are trying to get involved um, and, and just need help from more experienced folks. So that's what the help desk is all about. We'll be doing that tomorrow morning here on the Discord. I will be... Discord just went away. It was there until now. Perfect. Okay, thank goodness. Um... I will be streaming on uh, my own uh, Twitch and uh, YouTube tomorrow for that help desk, but 
I don't know for sure if anybody else will be streaming. I think a couple other folks mentioned it, so there may be a few other streams where people can get live feedback while they're working on stuff. Um, so yeah, that is what's going on tomorrow. I encourage anybody who's interested to join us on the Discord for that. Um, thank you, everybody, for watching this program. This has been the Deep Dive. As a reminder, um, normally I stream Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Central Time. I'll be a little bit earlier tomorrow because I'll be participating in that help desk. So uh, I'll be a little earlier than normal tomorrow. Uh, and then I will leave you with the final thought. Uh, again, just thanking Adafruit and thanking everybody who would like to purchase hardware from Adafruit in order to help support CircuitPython project and, you know, help pay for all of us who do get paid to work on the project, of course. So thank you to Adafruit. Thank you to everybody who purchases hardware from Adafruit. Uh, thank you to everyone for watching. I will see you all back on my stream in the morning tomorrow. Hope you all have a good night and a good weekend. And that